Welcome to Hit the Brakes, where we dive into the top stories, market trends, and ins and outs of the supply chain. No matter if you're tuning in from the cab of your truck, behind your desk, or on your daily commute, we're glad you're here and we're ready to serve you. Let's get this show on the road. This is the last episode of our three-part series from the Freight Forecast. In this episode, we talk about what the 2024 market trends really mean for you. In case you missed it, part one and part two will be linked in the show notes. You know, where are we headed? Where are we headed? Um, and I, you know, I think that's that's you know this this is all leading up to this to this graph, uh, graphic right here, and. Um, you know, the, just to set it up, you know, the the the, the biggest um, graph we see on the left here is is, is, is an aggregate spot spot rate across all modes, um, a graph depicting that. And uh, we also see intermodal and um, and then contract rates in the bottom right there. So, um, Tim, can you kind of just elaborate a little bit on on um, how these all three of these may tie together? Um, and you know, really where we see, where, where are we right now? What can move this graph out to the left or right? You know, um, you know, some things maybe to keep an eye on. And then after we've, um, you know, let's give ourselves five minutes or so to maybe talk about these slides and then we'll take some, some questions. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, we definitely set it up right in terms of, uh, you know, that, that spot rate is, is sort of the, uh, it's sort of the middle and, and, um, I see a question coming in. Has it hit? Has the spot market hit bottom? And that—that's—I mean—that is the—that is the question. If you look just at our forecast, the answer is yes. Uh, October in seasonally adjusted um, terms was was the bottom. If if you look, if our forecast is right, uh, and we do expect uh, rates to drop here from January into February uh, with sort of normal seasonality, even a little bit worse than seasonality because you get some. We've had a little bit above normal seasonality around the holidays that we expect to to, to sort of fade a little bit in February. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> here's the so, sort of where where the rubber hits the road is is sort of right now, and and uh, we think. Uh, Certainly, seasonally speaking, things are going to be softer for the next few months. That that's just nor totally normal. Uh, but at at the margin, we are unfortunately still adding some capacity uh, when we look at those new truck sales. Uh, and to to maybe go back to Brett's question a second ago, the other place where drivers are, are going is those big uh, private fleets, and uh, and private fleets are still adding a little bit of capacity at the margin, and that's really our our risk. Uh, the biggest risk to this forecast is. Uh, if we get a surge of truck orders that we're not expecting, you know that that backlog at the moment gets us through Q1 at, at pretty elevated production rates, but uh, but not much further than that. So uh, so we think there's a pretty significant change coming there, but uh, we could be wrong. There could be a lot of private fleet orders, and they they could still want to continue to grow, uh, and that would probably push this this downturn out even further into the future. Uh, we think that's very unlikely. Obviously, that's, that's not our base case, uh, but uh, but that's the 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 way to think about. Um, you know, how truck orders will you know impact the industry. Uh, to go back to your question, Mitchell, about uh, about how these are tied together, really, that the, the, the spot rate uh, is the center of of uh, of the industry, if you will, from a, from a forecasting perspective, because it's it's such a great um, daily leading indicator. Uh, and so our forecast for for uh, truckload contract rates and intermodal spot rates um, are very closely tied to our uh, our truckload spot rate forecasts. Uh, and we, we kind of believe that uh, if you can understand the truckload spot market well, uh, you can get a lot of other things right <laughs> in transportation. Um, 
and uh, with relative ease, <laughs> uh, but getting the truckload spot market right is, is not the easiest thing in the world, of course. Uh, so what's the justification for, for this, these higher rates? I mean, it's, it's what we just went through. I mean, these, the, the, the big question is, is when we balance, when we find that balance and, and things start to move up. Um, I think there's lots of, uh, of evidence that, um, that we're very close. Um, you can see that spot rates um, have been essentially unchanged since the second quarter of last year. And, and so um, <clears throat> that stability says a lot to me in, in itself um, that uh, we essentially couldn't go lower. We had sort of hit marginal costs, if you will. Uh, I think we're below cost for, for you know, any reasonable costs. Uh, <clears throat> but, um, but now things are, are starting to, uh, to turn. And, and we've already been through a, a long downturn from a um, historical perspective. Um, if we're right that October of last year was the bottom, um, it would still mark a 20-month downturn, um, which is four or five months longer than the, the prior three on average. Um, so we've already been through a long downturn. So just from a historical perspective, that's a little bit more evidence. Uh, but really, as we look forward, it comes down to what's going to happen with the with those supply and demand factors we've already kind of talked through. And we think those both move in, in favor of higher rates. I think the other interesting thing that's going to be uh, interesting to see this in the coming year is just the the local disruptions and, and changes in spot rates, especially as we're talking about um, about capacity or, or, or the containers landing on the West Coast as opposed to the East Coast and see how those may, even though we're looking at an aggregate forecast that, that I think we all have to keep in mind that just because, you know, we're, we're forecasting a, 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 a turn in the, in the spot market or year over year inflationary market in the, in the next quarter or two um, doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen in your region. And it may be greater in one region than the next. So that's going to be uh, neat to see to, 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 or to watch unfold in the coming year. So um, just another yeah. thing to call out. I think that's a great point. I think that east to west shift is is going to be a big theme of this year uh, in, in a huge way. We've already seen spot rates for intermodal off the west coast increase considerably back in September, October of last year. They haven't really moved up too much since. Uh, there was 20, 25% moves though back then. Um, and, and that was, you know, during peak season. Uh, and so they've held those gains, I guess, uh, into January. And I guess that that does, you know, is, is a bit better than seasonality. Uh, but uh but as you said, that, that's just off the West Coast, and, and uh, most of the intermodal network is not feeling um, much tightness at all. And the East Coast is, is certainly going to be um, at, at a disadvantage. Yeah, great. Well, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. So let's let's um, let's let's go ahead and move move into some taking some questions uh, from the attend attendees. Um, let me get you know just just a reminder to everyone, please just just submit submit your questions in the in the chat. I'm using the chat, but. Um, very first question we have here. Um, let's see, what can we expect to see now that shippers are slowly rerouting their imports from the east back over to the west coast? I think we've kind of already, you know, ironically already already touched on that one. So um, give me one second. Let's 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 find something something new here. Let's see. You know, okay, here we've got one right here. So, um, any thoughts on private fleets, advantages versus disadvantages? I guess, you know, that's the, probably one of those things that depends on what market we're in. And, you know, but um, Tim, I'll, I'll pose that to you. What are, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on private fleets in general, advantages and disadvantages of each? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, uh, 
you, we are actually, I'm going through the MCMIS database that, from the FMCSA to try to try to parse out exactly how, you know, which trucks are private versus for, for hire. Uh, and I'll, I'll get back to you soon with, with answers on that. But we think it's roughly 50-50 when we think about Class A tractors. Uh, certainly more of the day cabs are in, in private fleet operations and especially for the for hire market just in general terms. Uh, but when we think about the advantages for of, of owning your own equipment, um, you know, for, for a retailer, uh, if you're already using a lot of, uh, of for hire truckload, you know, fleet capacity, uh, there's certainly advantages to, to bringing some of that in-house, uh, having control of your supply chain increases. Um, you know, there's a lot more, you know, flexibility of how you use that vehicle. It's, um, there's already also, you know, risks and costs involved. And, and um, we think that, uh, the for hire market at the moment is something like a dollar dollar per mile cheaper than for, than private fleets, wow. uh, and that's not even the spot market. I'm just talking about contract uh, okay. because um, private fleets are just inherently less productive. There's going to be um, a lot more empty miles. Uh, they're not filling their backhauls most of the time. Um, <clears throat> some of them do enter the for hire market and pick up backhauls and 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 you know reduce their deadhead but but deadhead you know in in the for hire sector something like 10 to 15 percent versus probably 40 percent plus in um in in private fleets so that kind of puts them at an inherent cost advantage disadvantage um and in general you know on top of that they tend to pay their drivers um you know on average a good bit more um and and so uh so it's a pretty significant cost disadvantage now you're getting you're buying yourself um resilience um flexibility um you know those kinds of things are important obviously these days um and i understand why the industry's been you know doing that for the past couple of years in a, in a pretty big way in terms of rebuilding that uh but uh you know at some point cost economics start to matter more right yeah tim it seems like this is this is maybe a, a trend of kind of opportunism uh you know you mentioned resilience and some of the strategies that might be driving this but you know, you, you think about the for hire, you know, driver availability, you've got drivers that are potentially looking for jobs as they, you know, maybe uh, set aside their authorities. You know, one other interesting thing I just want to call out quickly is, you know, uh, act research reports on used truck prices from dealers, which I thought that was a very insightful uh, graphic with some good statistics that, you know, kind of right before the rates peaked to right around that time in 2022, a used truck with four years old, almost half a million miles on it was going for $140,000 uh, at the peak. And now fast forward to today, there's a, been this dramatic slide that's kind of mirrored what we've seen in the spot market uh, down to about $60,000, kind of down to, uh, I guess we'd call it more normal levels, uh, you know, pre-pandemic. That is this providing just kind of a fruitful opportunity for shippers who wanted to go after a strategy, maybe they were burned during COVID, wanted to invest more in that resilient own capacity? Um, it, are some of these factors just proving to be a very fruitful opportunity for shippers to even go after this? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of shippers are going to be buying the lot, lot of used trucks, if that's what you mean. I, I think they're, they're going to be out of that market and and then buy, typically buying new new equipment. And, and I think it's it, it really is the owner operators who are going to be going after the used trucks. Um, they have come down quite a bit. And at these rates, it's it's hard to justify. I mean, I, you do hear about people, you know, going out and starting their own trucking company, even today it happens, uh, but not many. And, and actually, one of the really interesting um, sort of changes in trend, uh, not to, you know, to go back to that DOT operating authorities, in the latest month, when when things got worse, uh, 
it wasn't necessarily the the revocations that got worse. Those stayed at, at similar levels. It was the it was the the net worsened because fewer people came into the industry, and so that was interesting. There's always going to be uh, new entrants, and some of that's seasonal. But uh, <clears throat> the point is, it's 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 very tough, and, and I, I think uh, used truck prices are, are a great um, are a great sort of following indicator behind spot rates, and 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 that kind of suggests that uh, we haven't quite found the bottom yet. You know, on those. Great. Okay. Got a, I've got another question here. This is a, a continuing a little bit similar to what we've already discussed, but you mentioned class eight truck orders are down. Can you elaborate on why the private fleets are expanding? Mm. Yeah. Some of it's timing, right? Like the, the expansion is sort of all the trucks that were ordered um, a year ago, maybe. And that, that, um, a lot of those orders came in when things were, you know, extremely supply constrained, uh, and a lot of the what's happened over the past year is just taking delivery of that. Now, looking forward, the orders are down, and so uh, so they're not doing that as much, and so uh, <clears throat> that tells us that 24 is going to be different from from what we saw last year, and that that's the good news. Is is you know it, not that different, and we're not we're not suggesting a sharp downturn in truck production, uh, you know, but but going back from adding capacity to the fleet to taking a little bit out this year. Um, AB5. Okay, so any uh, any thoughts on the effects of AB5 on the truckload employment numbers from the BLS? Honestly, I'm not sure. I know the answer. To okay, that. I'm not. I'm not quite sure of the impact it, it might have, but um, you know, I'll, I guess a another. I'll point out another thought here uh, on the BLS. You know, we we, we talked um, earlier. Um, lowest jobless claims report since and this is. Kind of shifting a little bit, but uh, still with the BLS. Lowest jobless claims uh, report this came out this morning since September 22. Um, what impact do we think that may have on on volumes even in the coming year or next 18 months even? It's yeah, a good question. I, I, I touched on it maybe a little bit earlier, but, uh, yeah. but I, I think I think it just generally tells you that it's a strong economy with a strong labor market. If right. if if we've got low claims, that means we've got a lot of jobs being added. If if that means GDP is growing, there's more more consumption happening uh, it's hard to get those three it's hard to count on those three rate cuts if we continue having job yes. job jobless claims like we're, we're seeing right now but then again but it's for a good strong reason. market maybe we don't need it so yeah that it's for a good reason right like yeah, right yeah yeah so so i think it, i think it's a good news a good news thing i think the the piece of caution to keep in mind of course is is if uh wage inflation gets out of control and and you know we, we, we get too tight um that that could be inflationary again and you know not only maybe maybe you know things get bad you know we could be start talking about rate increases again yeah, i'm not suggesting that's that's a likely event uh but uh but that's that's the direction that that could go if things are too strong yeah. um, i think um i think it's mostly a good news um kind of a you know i, I want to use the term goldilocks because again there are inflation risks but uh but it's, it's a good news thing great for both of you guys and uh, on this next question um fuel uh any insights on, on fuel forecast and the effect it will have on 2024 and 2025. i can jump on this we, we've been sharpening our our, our uh fuel forecasting a little bit here we actually recently hired a, a, a economist from general motors who spent decades forecasting currencies and commodities there cool. um, so, so we're, we're, we're amping up our our, our firepower there Great. what i would say is that um you know one of the things that we're that is, is happening i mean there's obviously a lot of oil price risk right now uh with everything going on in the middle east uh 
you would think oil prices would be a lot higher than they are right now. Um, but uh, certainly, you know, we're on one side of the Arabian Peninsula with the violence, not the other. Uh, if things go over the Strait of Hormuz, where about a quarter of the world's oil production travels through, uh, that's going to change fast. <laughs> yeah. So that's the big sort of risk in my mind at the moment. Um, but overall, you know, uh, oil production is, uh, you know, domestic oil production here is at, at very healthy levels. And uh, um, we, you know, electrification of, of light vehicles around the world is uh, is gaining some pace. Uh, and so uh, it's taken a little bit away from oil demand. Uh, and and meanwhile, you got OPEC who's, who's losing members. Um, I think it was Angola who left recently. Uh, and so... Uh, a little bit less cartel power, maybe, uh, and and so um, so we're sitting at West Texas around seventy two dollars, I think, at the moment, which is uh, which is a pretty low price for you know given all that's going on in the world, <laughs> um, and so uh, so generally that's that's good news uh, from a you know and, uh, that certainly has been helping the uh, the inflation picture. Um, some of it you know lately is probably seasonality too. I mean it's it's not the biggest driving season right now, so so things certainly could. Uh, you know, change as the, as the year picks, you know, as we go through 2024, you know, um, <clears throat> seasonally prices do, do tend to rise in the summertime. And um, if we have, you know, further conflict related uh, uh, risks playing out, then um, you could certainly see the situation change. But at the moment, it's pretty benign. Yeah, I just want to add some context from the freight standpoint, just with oil markets. But, you know, you go back to the last major recession, 08, 09, you know, uh, Diesel prices actually spiked as the economy was slowing down. It led to you know historic number of bankruptcies in the trucking sector, just wiped them out. Um, we've seen a little bit of the opposite. You know, we did experience some really high diesel prices at the the, you know, the uh, onset of the Ukraine war, but really, as the freight market has turned and you know rates have come down, diesel prices have also come down through some relatively historic highs at the same time that I think actually helped drag out this downswing a little bit longer. You mentioned this, Tim, it's longer than average uh, for this point in the cycle. So, you know, diesel prices come down uh, was was a tailwind for trucking firms on their operating expenses, allowed them to absorb a lot more of the revenue hits uh, for a longer duration. So I think that's one factor we have to kind of keep in mind as we went through this is that we did have a couple different levers, you know, kind of being pulled that were impacting this. But oil prices actually have served as sort of a tailwind to keep a lot of these trucking farms afloat during this. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's fair. And, and and while, you know, you want your carriers to make it through, like we also want capacity to, to contract. It's, it's it's one of those tough, uh, <laughs> tough, awkward things, but I think you're absolutely right. I think the other, the other big difference between the, you know, 08, 09 or, or prior recessions and or, or market turns uh, would be just domestic pr production. Um, it is the, the highest numbers we've ever had, and we continue to, to add add additional wells every month uh, domestically. So I think it just insulates us a little bit more than we've ever seen um, in the past 20, 30 years, at least, uh, from from geopolitical tensions and how that may spike, spike oil prices. Um, so uh, just yeah. acts a little bit different. Um, or some mm -hmm. of those events have a little bit of a muted impact on the market than than it would have had five or ten years ago. Um, yeah, actually, that's probably the biggest upside risk to, to oil prices. Mitchell, is is if these low prices sort of disincentivize that that you know strong production we've got going on here. I think you're exactly that's true. Right. No. Yeah. Okay. 
So I think we have time for one last question here. Um, and uh, let, me, let me read it here. Um, okay, so, whoops, sorry, let's see. All right, so we're seeing more and more reports of the southern border closures and delays. With Mexico now the top U.S. trade partner, are there any freight-related predictions in regards to that ongoing issue? Of the issue, yeah, that's that's a great. <clears throat> it's it's piece. You know, we didn't really talk about it as part of our our um, freight volume forecast earlier, but but it's it's definitely a piece of that puzzle. When we get to sort of robust growth later this year and into, into next year, uh, we expect a pretty strong industrial economy. There's so many projects. There's so many. There's more billion-dollar projects starting. You know. At, going on and starting in, in, in the near term uh, pretty much than ever before in this country uh, from not just in Mexico, though, but in the U.S. And it, it, it's definitely going to feed on itself, I think. Uh, you've got some a lot of companies building here, but you've got a major shift down in Mexico. The peso just it comes it, it's it's about a it's the only currency in the world stronger than the dollar. And it's a lot stronger. Uh, so there's massive investment going into Mexico. Um, and uh, it doesn't look like that's going to end any anytime soon. Um, <clears throat> certainly, you know, it's not just uh, U.S. companies. There's a lot of different companies that are that are investing in Mexico right now. Um, so it's 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 a fascinating uh, um, <clears throat> piece of the freight puzzle. I, I do think the just the in, industrial cycle over the next few years for the North American economy is going to be going to be broadly positive. Um, Cross border volumes are. Um, <clears throat> Not growing like you might expect at the moment. Um, they're kind of flattish year over year, um, but ap after some really strong growth the last couple of years, um, <clears throat> but I think that's going to continue to trend higher. Great. Yeah, Tim. I think one thing that was was really interesting too is you know uh, Mexico also is the top export partner when it comes to Class A trucks, kind of bringing it back to uh, the trucking equipment market. Uh, I think that's a very interesting dynamic. You know, you think about all of the de-risking or decoupling from, you know, Asian-based supply chains, Chinese-based supply chains, nearshoring to Mexico. You're seeing a lot of that investment and you're, you're kind of talking about that. I think that's just another interesting component of this, you know, given just the, the intricate nature of, of our, uh, our two countries and our kind of a, a joint economy, you know, on some of that front. Um, I think that's really interesting. I do want to make one comment that as we see these volumes pick up from a U.S. surface transportation standpoint, a lot of those border crossing markets uh, will experience tightening. You'll also see a lot of these carriers chase the volume, chase the rates. Um, so I would expect a lot of carrier networks to also kind of uh, prepare for some of these volume changes, the West Coast, cross border from Mexico, and see a lot of these units start to reposition to, to you know, uh, capture the rewards that come with that volume. I think that's very fair. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Um, as we're, we're coming to the end of our time, unfortunately, uh, I think we could do another hour if we wanted to, especially <laughs> with this Q and a format. I think everyone enjoys it. I hope, hope everyone listening has enjoyed it as well. But, uh, Tim, thank you for joining us. Uh, very helpful. Um, very informative. Um, I know there were a lot of questions that we weren't able to get to, unfortunately. Um, so I want to, when we have those and we will, we'll try to follow up with you guys and answer them the best that we can. Um, we uh, also just to, to point out, I have my email on here, my cell phone number. I love talking about these things. So if you, if anyone cares to reach out and, and talk further, 
call me, text me. You have my phone number. Um, don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks for joining us on Hit the Brakes Podcast. Want to know more about today's episode? Visit fetchfreight.com to connect with someone from our team, get a quote, join our carrier network, and more. Check out the show notes below for specific links mentioned in the episode.